Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back into Brewcast. Feels good to be back on another episode after uh, no show last week because, uh, well, uh, Anthony, Chris, Lower Peninsula got a little bit of that youper weather that made it down there with the polar vortex and a lot of snow. But I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom, Chris Castellani. We've got a big show coming your way here today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Michigan basketball, Michigan State also losing, and now we have uh, Ty. It's off the Big Ten. Once again, maybe to chat a little bit about the Super Bowl, uh, which uh, we're recording on Monday night. So that happened yesterday, though, obviously not a whole lot to talk about in that game. Uh, coming up later in the show, going to be joined by Brandon Justice, owner of the Wolverine Lounge. Talk about National Signing Day coming up on Wednesday. And then we have a lot of fun. Anthony he came up with an idea to do a little uh, a snake draft, and we're going to try and put together the best starting five we can in a snake draft, you know, kind of fantasy football order from the John Beeline era at Michigan. So we've got a great show. Hope you're buckled up, ready to go. Guys, how are you, man? Uh, Suck not talking with you last week, but I hope you guys had a good weekend and good Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Uh, Yeah, big time idea guy right here. So excited for that draft. Excited for... I think this is a good show. Uh, I think the next few weeks will be good shows. Doing... If I didn't tell you guys already before we recorded, I'll tell you after we record, we're going to have a pretty cool interview for for here next week, assuming everything goes well. So excited for that. Uh, Excited to talk to Brandon, Mason Brew alum, a guy I've known for years. Uh, So he's going to be on here. Uh, Always enjoyed chatting it up with him. And yeah, uh, last week sucked. It was like, I know for you, like Upper Peninsula people, that's like a Tuesday for you, but like, we're talking like three straight days of minus 40. 
And then today it's 60 degrees out. It's like, it's been, it has been an adventure uh, around these parts. So. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. It was, uh, it was brutal. Uh, basically, I mean, pretty much stuck at home for four days, uh, you know, or three and a half at the most or at the least. So, um, yeah, not definitely not uh, not the best week. It, it it would have been made up for a little bit if like there were there was a bunch of sports on, but there really wasn't, and it all kind of culminated last night with uh, probably one of the most boring uh, Super Bowls ever, um, at least of our lifetime, and uh, it's a surprisingly boring super i know i've made this analogy before with this movie but it, i i tweeted i said this was like the phantom menace of super bowls where where i really i genuinely thought if there's one because if there's one thing the patriots have done besides win a bunch of championships it's playing really good super bowls in the belichick brady era last night not one of them you you look at it uh, you know you say a oh, 10 point game no that game was dull all and yeah. uh, when it was 10 to 3 it was over so um, we were at least excited yeah, it, for the phantom menace like i w- i wasn't really even all that excited heading into this game just because it was the super bowl or yeah it was the super bowl but it was the patriots in the super bowl again which i appreciate the greatness and, and watching them play on a clinic is uh, at the very least you have to appreciate it but i felt like of the four matchups that we could have gotten we got the most boring one And, uh, I mean, nobody could have predicted 16 points total. I mean, God, that was just – everything was just so sterile. It was a boring game. Um, Maroon 5 wasn't terrible, but they were just, meh, going through the motions. The commercials – they were bored. They seemed bored also. I think they were hungover. I want want Travis Scott, to be honest with you. And let me say this. That – I didn't want them to do the SpongeBob sweet victory thing. So I'm glad they didn't do it. But the way that they incorporated those characters into the show was even worse than if they had just done sweet victory. By the way, I have a question for you guys. Cause you guys brought up like the Phantom Menace and stuff like that. I, I just want to, is this like, was that a revisionist thing for you guys? Because I was seven years old when the movie came out. So like I like I had seen all the other Star Wars, but I had no idea it was a terrible movie when I was seven years old. Like the first time you guys saw it, did you guys like hate it, or was this like you watched it as you were older and you were like, "Oh my god, what was what happened here?" Okay, I'll, I mean, I didn't. I'll, I'll yeah, speak because I I because you're you're older than me, so so I I think you might have a bit of a different take on it. I loved it as a kid. I, I mean, and, and even honestly, even up to like middle school elementary school i still liked it and even believe it or not even today i can still watch it you know acknowledging that it's not very good just because we we can all watch things that we loved as a kid and 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 have a soft spot for them but uh i just mean in general of i mean there's documentaries about the damn thing about how it was the most hyped movie of all time and one of the great disappointments uh, in the history of cinema. And uh, I mean, there's, there's adults who saw Phantom Menace and came out of it the first time and were like, yeah, that was good. 
that was good. And, you know, maybe I just need to go back and see it again. So it is a revisionist thing, but I just, I like using that, that analogy because I know that there were so many people out there who so desperately looked forward to it and wanted it to be great and were disappointed by the final result. Yeah. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but, uh, I don't think I really knew a difference between like good and bad as a kid. I just thought I knew it was star Wars and we played that stupid pod racing game, like all the time uh, for that (laughs) in 64. So, I mean, that was all cool. And yeah, all the flippy Jedi uh, lightsaber battles. Yeah, that was sweet. But I think the more I watch it now, the more I hate it. Oh yeah. 100%. That was kind of my question. Cause I didn't, when I was a kid, I had like, I was like, Oh my God, like that was an awesome movie. I was seven years old, you know, not to go, not to go too far off on a star Wars tangent, but I'll say that it cracks me up. And we may have even talked about this before. It cracks me up when people say that like Disney is ruining star Wars. The last Jedi ruined all the star Wars movies. Like George Lucas ruined star Wars 15 years ago, like on his own, like, Mm Mm-hmm. If, Sorry, any, just, if, if anything, I feel like, you know, Disney tried to help salvage it, though. Uh, episode seven, I was I like I got legit mad at episode seven because uh, you had um, uh, what's her name? The 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 Jedi in the movie. What's her, what's her name in the Ray? Ray. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you had Luke Skywalker out here in the in episodes four, five and six. And like episode six was the first time he like fully harnessed his Jedi mind control and and things like that. And all of a sudden, like she's just able to do it when she's like locked in a chair with no formal training from a guy like Yoda. Like that shit, like legitimately pissed me off. It kind of turned me off a little bit. So I, I feel like that is more like detrimental to the legacy of Star Wars than like the the preludes if that makes sense uh i see your point that's that's something we could, we could definitely go way deeper into but we can't do this episode because <laughs> we have a lot planned yeah and we will we will There's one gonna day be a, we will one a, day an episode of this show in like on april 16th our tax day <laughs> episode or whatever it is where we can go into star wars but yeah i mean i could i could do star wars for an hour and a half so uh i'll just say I respectfully disagree, but we'll we'll get into that some other time. Uh, But yes, bringing it back, Super Bowl as a whole, um, I appreciate like it's it's we live in a society of like absolutes where oh it was a low score like just because a game was low scoring doesn't mean that it was a bad football game. I mean I can think of a lot of. Steelers uh, Ravens 13 10 games from the you know the mid to late 2000s that were awesome games but just not high scoring that was just a and it, it was I guess kind of cool it was it was interesting to me that, to see like two top five offensive lines get the piss beat out of them by the defensive lines the entire game um, so from a defensive line standpoint yeah it was pretty good but like both quarterbacks were bad like yeah Tom Brady's got six rings he's the goat we don't need to rehash that but he didn't play well, like, but he's coming off, you know, for every performance like that he's had, he has 500 yards and whatever, four touchdowns in a Super Bowl last year where he lost. So, um, water always finds its level. I mean, I think we were pretty, we were due for a bad Super Bowl. We've been on a heater for like the last four or five years. So, um, yeah, I have no, it just overall the game, the game day, it, it just felt sterile. It felt corporate. It felt just going through the motions. Uh, the only commercial I really got jazzed up for was, uh, well, actually there were, 
really they weren't even they weren't the commercials they were the movie spots it was the marvel films it was Endgame and it was captain marvel so um that's really about all it did it for me and and another one that did it for me too just because this is something i i i've always been a fan of i i really really loved the one minute spot for the new uh jordan peele uh twilight yeah, zone. i had no idea that was gonna be a thing uh, yeah i've been following that for a while and uh i mean what i mean talk because they've been for years kind of trying to get something new with twilight zone going i know dicaprio was i think attached at one point to be a part of a of a twilight zone film but i mean talk about it falling into place i mean you could not ask for uh, a better uh person at this point in his career than jordan peele to make a series like Twilight Zone, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I thought that spot was awesome with the with it making it seem like the TV was going out. It was, uh, I thought that was perfect. But yeah, besides that, I mean, it was uh, the movie spots were awesome. End game looks amazing. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just a very la- it it was it's not just that it was a dull game. There was just nothing memorable about the experience. I want to square at all. I'll remember that, that for a while. Well, I, that's, I was just going to say, man, you just need to like, I had a great time watching the game because I made a lot of bets, a lot of prop bets. So I was having, a, I was just having a blast. <laughs> I saw there was some, there was some controversy with the national anthem prop bet. Yeah. I don't know what happened there because my timer, I had it well over a minute 50 and like, I don't know, someone had it a minute 49. I was like, I have no idea how you get it to a minute 49. I think the controversy was that if I don't, I don't have it in front of me and I'm not going to look it up some, you know, how well prepared I am. But I think it was that Gladys Knight who did an excellent job, by the way. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. I think she said home of the brave at the end of the song twice. And I think that this, oh. or it was home of the brave or just brave. And I think the sports books were calling it after the first brave. So I saw, I saw that bet online paid both sides because of the controversy. So, Hey, yeah. that's good for them. I, I also saw, uh, there was a story that, uh, someone told me about where a guy put, he had 451, 450 to one odds on the Rams scoring exactly three points. And he put two hundred fifty dollars on it, so that paid out like a hundred grand, I think. Oh forever. Jesus, that's that is impressive. That is yeah. a hell of a hell of a bet to to make. So I I do want to ask you though. So the Super Bowl is a bit disappointing. What was more What was more disappointing to you guys? The Super Bowl yesterday or Michigan's game at Iowa on Friday? Um, I would say Michigan's game at Iowa. Uh, nice segue, by the way, because we. Do, I was I w- I was gonna compliment that too. That was excellent. <laughs> Can you tell this guy has a gig in radio? This is why I, he's the point man here, and I'm I, we just kind of chime in, like he's he's the distributor. <laughs> um, yeah, that was me and Sam did the post game podcast, which we're gonna start doing more. We will have one uh, for Tuesday night's game at Rutgers. Uh, that went really well, but uh, we talked about it in the podcast. I think um, my biggest takeaway from that was that I was pretty bummed out when they lost at Wisconsin, but I wasn't discouraged by it. This one was a little more concerning to me only because it was all the, all of their flaws like amplified in one game. Like even their defense didn't play all that well. So uh, it's in, it just bothers me that we're it's February now. Like it's getting, we're, I think there's four or five weeks left in the, the conference season, like it's, it's go time. Like it's time to start putting stuff together. 
And it just still, it still seems like a group of guys as opposed to a well-oiled machine, which um, I've said this before on here. When these things happen, I'm, I don't dwell on it. I don't get pissy about it. I don't, uh, you know, don't get negative, but I, I always want to see what comes next and, and what comes next will define them uh, ultimately from all this. But it just, it, it just bothered me that every, everything, it seemed like every bad decision they could make went badly. Even in the second half, they got it down to four or five points, I think with seven or eight minutes to go. And then they shoot, you know, shoot a couple threes, miss a couple threes. Uh, Luca Garza, whatever his name is, uh, has a, hits a couple baskets and you're down 12 again. So it's just, it was just so frustrating. So disappointing. Um, you know, certainly the pain of that taken away by Michigan state losing to a terrible Indiana team on their home court. So if you're asking who had the worst weekend, like it's definitely the Spartans, but yeah, that, that was, that was concerning to me uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, look, full disclosure, I, I, I am a working man and I wasn't, I wasn't able to watch, uh, the game on Friday, but um, I, I got excellent analysis from my father, and uh, also, you know, obviously looking at box scores, looking at highlights. Um, so I, I can't give a full analysis here. Just the one takeaway that I, or the the two kind of takeaways I get from it is um, the 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 amount of points given up to an Iowa team that isn't exactly a high power team is surprising but is unfortunately something that will happen on the road, especially in the Big Ten. Um, I, I feel like this has become one of the most overused terms in college basketball, but yes, they ran into a buzzsaw, and uh, Iowa played an unbelievable game. The other takeaway, um, and this one's tougher, I, and I've brought this guy up multiple times, but I, you just you have to do something about Charles Matthews. I understand the guy is a tremendous defender, but he is hurting this team far more than he is helping them right now. And I, you know, Isaiah Livers, is he, is he a great defender? No. Is he as good as Matthews? God, no. But I think you, you have to consider moving Matthews off the bench or changing the offensive game plan so that he's not getting as many touches. He's he's missing shots. He's turning the ball over. He's taking steps. I mean, he's he's just a mess right now. And I know we've seen him step up in big moments. We he, we understand he was regional MVP last year when they made it to the Final Four. But I, I'm sorry that the, he's he is a detriment to this team right now. He is hurting them, even in games they're winning against Ohio State in the second half when they went on that run. He was out. I think the reason they went on that run, him being out was a big reason for that. So that that to me is is my biggest concern. Giving up the points they gave up, yeah, that's too bad. But offensive or defensively, this is still a top three defensive team in the country. Um, you know, the, the 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 blow is softened by the fact that Michigan State lost on. Uh, on Saturday, and I know that there's people who are going to get upset at us saying that, but I, you know, I had some guy tweet at me about, you know, because uh, I sent out some emoji after Michigan State lost, and not, not as a as a uh, in your face type of thing, more as a shock type of thing, because Indiana had been eating their own balls for a month, 
and then just goes on the road and beats Michigan State. And I had people uh, or a guy tweeting at me saying I should worry about my own team. And, and you know, <laughs> one, kick rocks. I, I do. And two, it, it does concern my team. It's the Big Ten standings that makes a huge difference. Both of those games make a big difference. Both of those games are going to be games that if – if one of these teams falls one game short of a Big Ten title or if they tie, we're going to look back on it and say, man, if they could have just won that game, they could have been outright Big Ten champions or co-Big Ten champions. It makes a difference. So um, it it's a bad loss. I would say it's the Wisconsin loss w- was obviously bad also, but in hindsight, it looks a lot better with the way Wisconsin's been playing. Um, I still don't think Iowa's that good. <laughs> so... Um, that, that makes this one a, a little bit tougher to swallow, but, uh, now they got to move on. I mean, this is, we're in February now, so this is getting into the, the tougher part of the stretch. Uh, this team is starting to look a little bit reminiscent of the 2013 team got off to that incredible start, looked like if not the best, one of the top two teams in the country, and then went, uh, you know, a month or two or so where, where they struggled. Uh, now hopefully that they, they turn things around around the same time the 2013 team did. That's uh, to be determined. And, we'll see. You know, you mentioned they're probably one of the top three defense of the country. They're still number one on Ken Palm in adjusted defense, but they've fallen all the way to number 42 in adjusted offense. And I hear what you're saying about Charles Matthews and, uh, my thing with Isaiah Livers, though, he's a good, really good three-point shooter, but a catch-and-shoot guy. He's not great at creating his own offense, which Charles Matthews has been in true. the past. I, I just don't know what happened. Hopefully, he's just in like a, a senior funk, you know, middle of the season. People sometimes hit a wall. But uh, this is, I, I guess, I'm concerned, but at the same time, like, I don't know if this team, you know, is a three-way tie top the Big Ten standings now between Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Wisconsin's just a game back uh, of those three teams as well. You know, Michigan doesn't have to play Purdue anymore, so that's nice. You got two games with Michigan State coming up. But, uh, I mean, if they win the Big Ten, they win the Big Ten. If they don't, you know, they don't. And that's what you're hoping for. But this this feels like the team that even last year, they hit a wall offensively, they figured it out, and then they were able to make the most of it to go along with their defense. They have to get better offensively if they're going to you know, do anything come come March and hopefully playing into April. Uh, they've got to do something offensively, and I just don't see it right now. They just don't shoot the ball that well, and I guess that's disappointing. But at the same time, this defense, when it comes down to March, is going to keep them in games anyway. They're going to have chances to win is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I think that I won't I won't take as strong a stance on Charles Matthews as maybe you did, Chris. Uh, I think we've seen when he's playing at his best, like he did in the NCAA tournament last year, like he has in some of the games this year. He Michigan is extremely hard to beat, and it, it's it's a bad slump right now. Like he can't can't really get much of anything going, but it's one of those things where. You know, Jordan Poole struggled earlier in the season, shot his way out of it, has struggled lately, but I'm pretty confident he'll shoot his way out of it. Iggy had a bad, a couple bad games. In the last few games, he's shot himself out of it. I feel like it's taking a little bit longer with Charles. I'm not really sure what's going on there. Um, I feel like you just got to have to ride it through because right now you're only six or seven deep on the, you know, in your rotations anyways. So, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a change that can really be made. Um, you know, it's one of those things where right now, I mean, it's 
I, I think his struggles are he's kind of the poster boy right now for their struggles as a whole. I mean, this is a team right now that is not moving the ball all that well. Um, you see a lot of stupid hero ball stuff out of this group and they don't have a guy. They don't have a hero guy ball or a hero hero guy ball hero ball guy on this team. They don't have someone who can create for himself. I mean, Jordan Poole is their most gifted scorer, but he's not a creator. He's a, you know, he's a guy that's, He's, he runs hot and cold. Um, I think Brazdakis can be that guy. Um, I don't know if anyone else really can. Um, I think offensively, their their struggles are well documented. The thing that's the thing that's also pretty jarring is that um, I didn't really like how that game was called on Friday. A uh, lot of lot of whistles early on. I think at one point in the first half, like three or four starters had two fouls on them. Um, John Teske being one of them. And, and when John Teske is on the floor, I'm, I'm sorry. I know everyone's been cr- um, crying to the mountaintops for um, Brandon Johns, but he's just not there yet. Like he had a good game against Indiana. Well, guess what? A lot of people are right now. It's yeah, he's not ready. And it's, you're just not all that deep. So, I mean, that hurts. Uh, who would have thought coming to this year that you could make the argument, John Teske their most important player. Um, so his, his impact his the loss of him at times with some of the foul stuff is, uh, it's a big loss. And, and, you know, how do they follow this up? And like, Iowa isn't all that good defensively. I think they're going to go into Rutgers on Tuesday night and play a team that I, I think they're a top 25 Kempom defense. So it's gonna, they might be in for another rock fight. So I don't know. I mean, I need to see. I need to see someone start creating. I need to see someone start taking the lead. I mean, all of these Michigan teams, um, a lot of great players, and we're going to be picking from them here in a little bit uh, in our draft, but I just feel like right now there's not a Mo Wagner on this team. There is not a a Trey Burke. There's not a Nick Stauskas. I think that there are a couple guys that can be that guy, and someone's going to have to at some point, but right now it's just not happening for him. And and I'm not – if you're asking me what the panic meter is or how concerned I am on a scale of one to 10, I put it at like a four and a half or a five. Like I'm not, I'm getting a little antsy cause I'm not really seeing improvement. I mean, even with Michigan state losing over the weekend, I mean, Cassius Winston, best player on their team. He's kind of been putting the team on his back and they're, they've been getting better since, since early in the year, Michigan has sort of peaked with Villanova and North Carolina. And then, I don't know if it's their fault or the schedule's fault. They didn't. They just didn't play a whole lot in December. And I talked to, with Sam about this uh, the other day too. Is that it seems like they lost their mojo in December uh, when they were playing one game every seven or eight days, and they're still in the process of trying yeah. to get that back. So um, I don't know what it's going to take. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be a tough week for them. Anytime you go on the road, I know there's a stigma with Rutgers that they're a pushover. I don't see that being a pushover game. Wisconsin, the team that beat you, is coming to Ann Arbor on Saturday. So um, it's time to get rolling here soon. Um, two of your last, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And sorry, you know, it's just, and obviously, I'm, I'm one of the bigger, uh, you know, I love a good Rutgers bashing as much as anyone. But this this Rutgers team, they're not good, <laughs> but. I think they're scrappy, and I think for the first time since they've come to the Big Ten, I see an actual, like, where they could eventually be. Like, uh, they have 10 guys who are freshmen or sophomores. Uh, 
And they've been playing some teams competitively uh, and even beating a few teams. So, uh, yeah, I agree. This is not this is not going to be uh, the the easiest game Michigan's going to play. Yeah, it, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it as it moves through. Uh, just checked it out. Ken, or Rutgers is 41st in adjusted defense in Ken Palm, so Michigan's offense could definitely have a difficult time with that, but 206th in offense. So this could be a low-scoring game. Bet the under. All right. Yeah. So as, as we roll through here on Brewcast, we got a really fun interview coming up here. Going to be joined by Brandon Justice of the Wolverine Lounge. And we are talking signing day coming up on Wednesday. Here's Brandon Justice. Okay, next up here on Brewcast, we are bringing back the interviews portion of our show. We haven't done that since, God, maybe the first show we had. Uh, which was way back in the spring of last year. So uh, but this week with National Signing Day, I know there was the signing day back in December, but the official, the OG signing day uh, is this Wednesday. Uh, so we'll go over the storylines. We'll go over, kind of put a bow on that and clean it up with our buddy, Mason Brew alum, uh, proud to say that. Brandon Justice, uh, he's the, um, what is your title with the Wolverine Lounge? Are you the, I mean, you're the creator, but what else do you call yourself? Yeah, I'm a little bit of everything. So um, a lot of people don't know this, but I do get asked a lot behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, I do pretty much everything when it comes to business-wise and then also content-wise. I'm kind of all over the place, too. Obviously, mainly football. So I guess what I am in three ways is, is a football beat writer, the owner of the site. So I would consider myself the owner, uh, the content, the lead content and managing editor. So I guess that would be the official way to say it. And then also everything business-wise, so advertising and everything, literally everything you can think of. It's definitely a lot of work, but, I mean, it's it's pretty great. It's cool having complete creative control, um, you know, and doing my own thing. Obviously, very appreciative for my time at Mason Brew. I would be, I would be nowhere without that opportunity that you initially gave me and forever thankful, forever indebted for that one, forever indebted for that one. But yeah, we're good to have you. It's been a while since we've chatted. Uh, obviously, like I said in the open here, National Signing Day uh, coming up on Wednesday. Michigan has signed, has pretty much signed their entire class. Uh, we're thanks to the NBA, uh going by the 24-7 uh, ranking. It's the seventh-ranked class in the country, uh, top-ranked class in the Big Ten. Um, over, you know, just as a whole, you look at this class, I know last year's wasn't, no, I don't like calling recruiting classes bad or not great because these are still kids that, you know, a lot of times outperform their rankings anyways. So, uh, but this year, definitely a, a step back in the right direction. And, uh, you know, your initial thoughts as, as we go into National Signing Day and, and what they'll be bringing in with this class. Yeah, this is definitely, and I think it was appropriate to bring up, it's definitely a huge leap from what last year brought upon this fan base. And what people fail to realize sometimes is that last year was a lot more to do with role filling you know a lot of a lot of kids that needed to be here because of the lack of depth at a certain position and they were taking a smaller class to allow for bigger numbers in classes they liked more the talent 2018 class simply wasn't as deep as the talent 2017 and 2016 and the same goes for 2019 so with this class you see a huge leap but it's one that if you looked at the numbers ahead of time you should have expected because this is a very deep class that Michigan was able to bring in. Probably one of their deepest yet, and I know it's hard to argue both the 2016 and 2017, but you think of guys like Dax Hill, a guy they've never had before uh, and of, that, of that nature besides Rashawn Gary. 
So when you can kind of put him on that same pedestal, you know how legitimate uh, he's about to be. And I know that a lot of people aren't into buying hype on recruits, uh, but if there's any to, to break that habit, it's, it's Dax Hill. And, and the list goes on with the amount of guys they were able to pull in this class. Outside of Dax Hill, there's really no shining stars besides Zach Charbonnet, who I think is the is the shining star in this class next to Hill, a kid that a Pac-12 assistant told, told one of my sources that is going to be the best running back in college football one day. And the West Coast schools were devastated that he ended up at Michigan, of all places. Um, so you're looking at a group of guys that I think are really going to make a difference. How, some of them are going to have to wait on that because um, there, there is a lot of depth on this team. Um, but right off the bat, two names that should, that should jump off the paper for you, Charbonnet and Hill, two guys I think you'll see right away. Well, uh, you, you think that we'll see them right away. Either of those guys, they have a chance to, to compete for starting positions in the fall, or are they going to be kind of rotation guys, you think? Yeah, I'll say it right now. I think Dax Hill's going to start. I don't see a way you can keep him off the field unless he comes in a lot more behind in football IQ than we're anticipating. Uh, he's just a smart kid that knows what he's doing on the field and knows where to be. And that and and his speed just kind of and his just pure athleticism just adds to what he already brings to the table as just an average football player, right? Uh, and you have to remember that that's an open spot right now with Ty Kennel gone. You leave it open to Jameric Woods, who didn't look all that great in the Peach Bowl. Uh, Jalen Kelly Powell, who's extremely good in coverage, but he does lack in the in the tackling skills that a Don Brown defense demands. And Dax still shines in all those facets. And I know that it was in high school football, but he's playing at a high level. He, he played, I shouldn't say dominated, but he played pretty well at the uh, All-American throughout practices too. And then in Charbonnet, you've got a guy who is entering a position with a lot of gray area. We don't really know where it's going to go. True Wilson showed signs of greatness, but against good teams, he was pretty much an afterthought besides in the pass blocking. Uh, you have Chris Evans, who's been a downward spiral since his freshman year. Can't really knock on or can't really add to that big year he had initially. Uh, and you're kind of left with a group of guys that really leaves you a wide open hole for someone to come in and just blitz and have a great, great spring camp. I know Christian Turner was a huge name after the Peach Bowl, and I think it's going to be him and Charbonnet in the backfield with True Wilson in for mostly pass blocking situations. We'll see what Evans can do. He's more of an all-purpose guy that I think they're going to move around in the slot like they were in the Peach Bowl. Um, but, but outside of that, those are the two guys that I think, yes, will be starters. Uh, hey, uh, this, this is Chris. Uh, my, my really kind of the only question I have is obviously the, the big hire uh, by Michigan since the season ended was the hiring of, of Josh Gaddis and, have any of the incoming recruits talked at all about how they feel about that hire? Obviously, a lot of them have committed, or, or, or almost all of them committed before uh, Gaddis is hiring. But but with the excitement that kind of surrounded it, have, have any of them come out and spoken about it at all? Especially the offensive recruits. You know, I think they've talked to a couple a couple of other outlets. Uh, not we haven't really dug into interviews since uh, we've been on a I've been on a month long break myself. Um, so we haven't had too much to do with recruiting uh, since since the initial signing day and since this one really hasn't had much. Um, but I can say Giles Jackson's a guy that's definitely conveyed the message that the speed and space thing is extremely legitimate. And, and that's been voiced over on social media um, from from all of these guys that are getting excited about speed and space. Mike Sanders still a guy who's already an early enrollee. He was a DB out of high school as an athlete and played both sides. 
Uh, he's going to play slot at Michigan. He's going to be in that in that position that Josh Gaddis is going to um, use like like you've never seen Michigan use before. Uh, and you're starting to see those guys that are going to be directly affected, really talk about it, not just in private, but but even in, like I said, on social media for on a public forum. Uh, again, Giles Jackson, a guy who I think is going to be terrific. And, um, you know, speaking to that last question about early playing time, Giles Jackson, not going to be a starter, but a guy that gets in the rotation for the receivers too. He's just so dangerous out of the slot. And he fits so well into a uh, Josh Gaddis offense. And you can kind of think of him in that Paris Campbell way. He, he can do a lot of things in the field. I think you guys are really going to like it. All right, on the quarterbacks now, that's always going to be not, I mean, for a lot of schools, it's the crown jewel of your class, but not necessarily has been the case at Michigan, but it's obviously quarterback play has been, at times, their Achilles heel, and, and at times this year, they're saving grace uh, with Shea Patterson, but uh, the quarterback is always going to have a lot of attention on him. Uh, talk a little bit about what you see in, in a guy like Cade McNamara, and you know, it doesn't seem like he has the upside that a Joe Milton had, or or maybe the, I guess, upside, I'll use the word upside again, that uh, Dylan McCaffrey uh, may have. Where, where do you think he fits in in all this? So a name that I always bring up when I think about Cade McNamara is Drew Brees. And I know that that's an extremely high evaluation. And I don't, I don't mean it directly and talent-wise, but you're looking at two guys who, uh, you know, Cade McNamara is 6'1", 206, and Drew Brees is six foot two oh nine. So Cade McNamara is essentially an inch taller Drew Brees, in my opinion. You look at their two, the two games, they're able to spread the ball out really well. Um, they're able to get – they're not fast, but they get away when they can. They do have the quickness to move around in the pocket. Uh, and he played in an offense very similar to the one that Sean Payton runs in New Orleans. Obviously not that complex. You're talking high school NFL, but, you know, the scheme – uh, and Cade kind of reminds me a lot of Drew Brees in that he's able to, to dish the long ball. He's able to hit the underneath route, um, and he's just able to spread the ball out so well in an offense like Josh Gaddis's. Now, that being said, obviously McNamara has been committed for what feels like an eternity so long before the Gaddis offense ever came along. And early on, there, you know, I wasn't too sure on him because, like you said, the upside that Joe Milton has, the upside that Dylan McCaffrey had coming out of high school. I mean, incredible. Very, very, very much, much higher than Kate's, right? We, there's really not a lot of people talking about Kate nationally. It wasn't an All-American game, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, even Brandon, Brandon Peters made an, all, an All-American game and, and garnered a lot of hype out of high school. Uh, Kate wasn't involved in that. But I think he's a guy that's kind of being overlooked and kind of just being forgotten about, maybe because he had been committed so long. Um, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But he's a guy that I think people should be more excited about, um, but also a guy that's going to be a victim of not playing for a while. Just because, like you said, you got three quarterbacks ahead of you that are terrific. Shea Patterson, Joe Milton, uh, and Dylan McCaffrey. And, you know, in my opinion, I think Milton starts before anybody else does, uh, unless he can't figure out the playbook. Otherwise, it's Dylan. But uh, you're looking at like a 2022, 2023, like at earliest for Cade. Um, but nonetheless, a guy that I do think is being overlooked and has that similar skill set um, to Drew Brees. I know everyone besides Jim Harbaugh loves comparisons, so if I had to make one, it's Drew Brees. And we we all know that quarterbacks are great, you know, the most important position in football. But really, I think, you know, uh, prior to this year, 
the biggest knock you could have on, on Michigan in the Jim Harbaugh era, the Brady Hulk era, going back however far you want to is the offensive line. And we talked about Josh Gaddis. You know, he's kind of the shiny new hire. But Ed Warner coming in uh, made such a big difference and made so much progress with that offensive line. And now in this recruiting class, four top 300, you know, offensive linemen. What can we see, you know, stemming off of this past year and setting the foundation? Uh, you know, what is kind of the future of the offensive line play at Michigan? Because to me, it looks bright. I, I don't know if you would agree, Brandon, but uh, to me right now, uh, you know, you got to love what Ed Warner's doing. Yeah, absolutely. You make a great point. Offensive line ha- has not been the topic of conversation this offseason, and that is for good reason, because it's finally fixed. And it has been a grueling process for Michigan fans. It's been promise after promise and, uh, you know, hope being sold after hope being sold. Uh, now you finally got a legitimate system implemented by Ed Warner uh, that was extreme. You know, as as you could tell this year, through, as the season went by, it, it got better and better and better. Uh, and I think that carries over into next year, obviously with the returning starters that you have. Um, and as you mentioned, four top 300 offensive linemen in the 2019 class, the best offensive line class they've had uh, in the Jim Harbaugh era. And uh, speaking of people who are getting forgotten about, uh, the subject and the topic of, of this class is, is those four guys, but Zach Carpenter, who somehow is still ranked 554, 554, was getting aggressively recruited by a lot of big schools, not to mention the national champion. So, you know, Clemson was a school that was had seven crystal ball predictions for this guy at one point. I mean, that's legitimate. That's like, okay, he's going there. Let's be honest. You know, let's not leave any curtains up. That's what's happening when those go in all, all at the same time. Uh, so at one point, Clemson had this kid, and he still ended up in Michigan. And I think he is the sneakiest grab of all of them. Uh, he's going to end up at guard and going to play really well, in my opinion. Outside of that, you got Trevor Keegan, who was a really good late pickup, and you've also got Nolan Rumbler, who's arguably the best guard in the country coming out of it. One of the one of the best guards in the country coming out of this class, and I think inevitably ends up being one of the best players in this class. And then lastly, Trent A. Jones who just shot up in the rankings. I'm not sure if any of your listeners pay a lot of attention to the All-American game, but Trent Jones worked his way up from below 300 when the season started to now 108 overall in the country. I mean, he bolstered up the boards, ended up as the 11th overall tackle in the country, uh, just an illustrious class on the offensive line. And happy you brought it up because it's been something that hasn't been talked about, the job that Ed Warner's done. It was all the focus in the first two games. And he got slammed for that for that Notre Dame game, and we never heard about it since because it was never a problem. So, uh, an appropriate uh, applause for that. Uh, you know, obviously with uh, the recruiting battles and signing day, the big gets that uh, we look for are the four stars, the five star recruits. You know, the the Dax Hills of the world. But I was just wondering, do you think that Michigan has in this class? A, a diamond in the rough or two, maybe not necessarily a guy who's going to be a star, but somebody who could contribute uh, right away that, that you feel like is being overlooked. And if so, who would that be? It's a really good question because I think there's a lot of candidates in this class. Uh, there's just so many options. I, I'd have to go with Zach Carpenter. I hate to stick with the same guy I just, I just spoke about, but I mean, he's ranked 554 and he, he's out there getting aggressively recruited by the likes of the national champions but he's only the 33rd ranked guard in the country. And I think he's going to end up being a lot better than that. Than that. Uh, as far as first year contributors, maybe not starters or anything uh, that, that are diamonds in the rough. Giles Jackson, a guy who shot up boards late, 
but still remains an, a, a less than talked about recruit below 300, not in the top 300, and not invited to All-American games. Did not end up at the Under Armour game, uh, did not end up at the Army game. Did end up at the Polynesian Bowl, uh, but not one of the main two. So, and, and I think he's the guy who contributes right away uh, in, in the first year. And I think he's a diamond in the rough because when they got him, when they got Giles Jackson, I believe he was somewhere around 500, 600 is when they first started recruiting him. Uh, obviously had a big showing at the opening, but uh, nonetheless, another guy. Uh, if I had to pick one that's really low, though, I would have to go with um, I'd have to go with George Johnson, a guy that's going to be. I'm sorry, I would have to go. Actually, let's go with Quintel Kemp. I'm sure you've heard about him. He's a receiver out of Ohio, a guy very under the radar, 954 in the country, uh, but an insane deep threat uh, that can also take back punts too. So he's kind of like uh, a little bit like an underlooked DPJ uh, in, in that he can play that deep route game. Doesn't have the athleticism. Doesn't have the, the the freakishness that DPJ brings. Um, but he's definitely got that, that high ceiling as a deep threat. All right. Well, with national signing day coming up uh, on Wednesday, obviously like we talked about uh, before we started recru- uh, recording here is that the early signing day is kind of taking the drama out of all that. Like it's not, it's, it's definitely um, not a buzzkill. That's probably not the right way to put it, but, it's not what it used to be, uh, and obviously with Michigan having, it looks like most of their class in, uh, almost all their class in, and you, you've got eight guys that are already enrolled and, and all that, but um, is there any any storylines at all uh, going into Wednesday uh, for the people that may not be following along? Is you know, Are they waiting on anyone else? Is this pretty much who they have? What's, what's the status there uh, as they put a bow on this class? Yeah, I think, I think you said it best. Uh, there, there was almost something that, that happened with uh, a running back commit to Alabama. I'm sure you've heard that story before. Uh, but that one's not going to come to fruition, barring a last-minute uh, last change. So, yeah, I think, I think this is it for them. Um, obviously, the Amore story came out today, so they, they'd rather that not have happened. Um, but outside of that, outside of that one, they're probably going to stay away from the noise on signing day. Again, barring any change of hearts, and as we know, those happen all the time so so four years from now we look back on this class and we think what i think you think wow what a class because uh to make it more detailed i think you probably look at this class as one that ranks right up there with the 2017 class um but i think if i had to take one thing away from it all it's that thank god this offense got josh gaddis first because I think guys like Giles Jackson and George Johnson and Mike Sandersville and Quintel Kent, you know, all those offensive guys, I think they're misused. Eric Hall, a tight end who's going to be extremely vertical as well. I think they're all misused um, in, a, in a, maybe not all misused. I shouldn't slam Harbaugh's offense too hard because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't misusing players too often, but guys like Giles Jackson, Mike Sandersville, George Johnson, they're going to be somewhere at running back or slot playing positions that work in the Josh Gaddis offense to the highest ceiling. Whereas in the Jim Harbaugh offense, it's like more like halfway there, if that makes sense. Um, so I think you look back and say, thank, thank God we got a, an offensive coordinator that's going to use them. I mean, because without that, this class offensively probably wouldn't have been as exciting, in my opinion. Because um, I think, again, Cade's another guy that I think flourishes in an offense like this and probably doesn't in the Jim Harbaugh offense where He's going under center a lot and, and doing a lot of what he doesn't need to be doing at his 
in his style, which is a lot of what we saw this year. A lot of still, not not to the 2017 extent, but there still was some some forcedness uh, throughout the year, especially in that last game, the Peach Bowl. So um, I think you look back and think, thank you for Josh Gaddis. That, that's my best analysis on it. And at the same time, I think you think uh, I think you think this is the best. I, honestly, I don't want to say this is going to be the best class, but I wouldn't count it out of the realm of possibility that this ends up being better than any class Harbaugh's created before. I think uh, I think it's probably uh, too early and too tough a question to ask if Dax Hill is going to be the best player Harbaugh's had. But do you think he he has the most upside of any player he's recruited in his tenure at Michigan so far? He's like Jabril Peppers, except for he's always concentrated on defense. If that if that uh-huh. adds up for you, that that's how I think about it. Um, he's got all the talent Jabril had. He has the same. Uh, skill set. He, he doesn't have this, the hype or the, the rapping commitment or anything that polarizing, I guess would be the word. Um, but he's got all the skill sets. He, he's faster than Jabril. He is a little bit, he's definitely smaller physique wise, but I mean, outside of that, he's just a Jabril. He's a Jabril Peppers that's played. He's coming here to play the position he's always played and he's never been forced to do much else. Jabril was forced to do a lot of things. He was put in a lot of situations and he was a victim of playing all three phases of the game sometimes. So a lot of his knocks came from the fact that he was studying double, triple the playbooks, what everyone else was. Dax is being tested, quote-unquote, on offense, but I think he's being tested as much as Jordan Lewis was. So I think he's a guy that, again, comes in, and, and what sets him apart is he has dedicated his all of his, you know, and I use, <laughs> I use this word as sarcasm, all of his eliteness, you know, towards one position. And I think you're going to see that translate on the field uh, as soon as this year. Okay. Well, I think that we may have, uh, I think we've reached our limit here. I don't know if we can put you on the stand any longer, my friend, but I will say, um, you know, appreciate, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate the insight. Uh, me personally, uh, we talk, but, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud of what you're doing, my friend. Um, you're, you're, always i've always thought highly of you um love love what you brought to our site and something i tell people all the time when they apply to write for us is that you know if you're good you're gonna get scooped up quickly and, and while that's kind of what happened with you is that your time was brief but uh, impactful and, and something that uh you know not to stroke your ego too much but uh you know, it's <laughs> always it's always been a pleasure my friend so um why don't you let the people know where they can find you and, and your work well, first off, I uh, appreciate that. I'm not gonna not gonna dwell too long because I know you don't want me to. But thank you. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon B Justice, uh, and you can that's it. I don't like being added on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or any of that. So just Twitter. Um, I don't know if you know my rivalry with Isaiah Hole, but I have 91 follow requests because of him. So thank you for that. <laughs> Okay, uh, this has been Brandon Justice, uh, owner of the Wolverine Lounge. Uh, Brandon, we appreciate your time. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, sir. All right, Brandon Justice there. Really good talk with him. Uh, a lot of great insight about some of the guys that he thinks are uh, really going to step up You know, this year. And as we look back in the class, I, I had no idea about the Carpenter kid uh, on the offensive line. So good to have Brandon on and, and chat with that. Uh, with us about that a little bit but now we got a fun segment that is going to take us through the rest of this brewcast episode um anthony tweeted us or uh texted us 
a um, little bit earlier, and he said, you know what? I want to do something fun for the show, and let's do a snake draft with guys that have played at Michigan under John Beeline, and I am ready to kick your guys' ass at this snake draft. Oh, oh, we got a we got we got uh, Johnny Johnny Hardass <laughs> over here today, huh? <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out like how to determine the order. We probably should have done that before we started recording. Um, I don't know. We we'll just want to go oldest to youngest, or youngest to oldest. So Chris would be Chris, Luke, then me, and then we'll go. Okay, let's just do it like that. All right, that 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 that's sound. That's good for me because really, they just I just wanted to draft uh trey burke and i will uh, i'm typing it in because i'm keeping track of your guys's lineups as well um trey burke obviously uh i i'm under the opinion and i know xavier simpson is wearing this number right now and doing a, a bang up job uh, we, we didn't we didn't have the chance to mention we saw history last week that michigan also played uh, Ohio State and, and Xavier Simpson put up a triple double against the Buckeyes. That was awesome. But uh, with that said, I'm one of those people who believes number three should be in the rafters at the University of Michigan. I think Trey Burke in the two years he was there was as valuable uh, to the program as uh, any member of the Fab Five was, uh, to be honest. And so uh, he's he's my all-time favorite college athlete. So happy to have him in my starting five. I'm taking Trey Burke with my number one overall pick. Yeah, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I completely agree with everything you just said. He absolutely should be in the rafters. He, he was my favorite player um, in Michigan's history. And, you know, he was a pleasure to watch. I think what he's done for the program, you know, being national player of the year, taking them to the uh, the national championship game, unfortunately, a loss uh, just did so much for the program moving forward. Uh, definitely, definitely agree with you. Love love that pick, Chris. I hate that you picked before me and got to take Trey, but it is what it is. So, um with my pick, uh, we're trying to make the best possible starting five. I have to go with, with the guy, the way the game's played right now. You have to be able to shoot from any position, anywhere on the floor, play defense, you know, rebound, and you get, you can score down low if you uh, if you have the tools. So I'm going to go Mo Wagner with, with my number one pick because I think he's so versatile uh, offensively and defensively. I think he's a great centerpiece to build a starting five around. I'm going Mo. With your build up to that was not that was not the player I was expecting you to go with. Uh, okay, did you think he was going to go Tim Hardaway? I actually thought he was going to go in the direction I'm going to go uh, with my first pick here. Guy who can. Uh, at one point, everyone said that he was just a shooter. At one point, my stupid ass, one of my first takes ever as a sports writer, <laughs> is that he should come off the bench with Zach Irvin being in the starting lineup as a freshman. Boy, was I ever wrong. Uh, my first pick, uh, third overall pick here, uh, is Nick Stauskas. I love it. Love the pick. I, I just like Mo's ability to rebound and play defense a little more than Nick's. Yeah. So wait, I get it. Uh, I get it on the comeback. Yeah, back, here, right? back to you. You get it back. You, you run it back. Oh, big dog. okay. This is where I feel like those are the three that come to mind right off the bat. Yeah. Um. Gosh, I could go any any way. You know what? Uh, this is a perimeter game. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Tim Hardaway Jr. It's my guy. Mm. I'll go with THJ. That'll be my my second pick here. So, all right, Tim Hardaway, man, I, I love love that pick as well. And this is kind of where where things get a little bit dicey, obviously. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go 
with a guy. I, I like what I'm doing. I like to be able to stretch and I like to be able to play defense uh, all around the perimeter. I'm going DJ Wilson here because I'm, I'm going big, going big, big. I'm going rebounding. I'm going, you know, perimeter shooting and I'm going defense. DJ Wilson, my number two. Okay. Well, the one disadvantage I have with taking Trey Burke, because I, to me, as far as, I guess, legacy uh, picks go, how good they were at Michigan, I feel like a strong argument could be made that Derek Walton would be the next available, but I don't want two point guards in my starting lineup. So I'm going to go with a guy that might not have uh, reached his full potential. And even uh, though he's been very good in the NBA, has struggled with injuries. Uh, I'm actually going to go Karis LeVert with, uh, with my next pick. That's yeah. a good pick right there. I do. I, I do like that one. That is a, that is a fantastic pick. Um, so coming after after Karis, I I do need hey, myself a point guard, well, and I figured me, since snake draft. God, oh my bad, yeah, that's right, that's Shameful. right. God, but uh, okay for mine. Uh, let's see, I have a two guard. I need a three. Um, I'm gonna go Glenn Robinson the third for my uh for my next pick. Uh, good, really good athlete. Uh, became a better scorer as he as he went along. I think he worked better. Uh when he wasn't necessarily the number one option. I think that in his sophomore year with Stauskas emerging, uh, I thought GR three did a much better, uh, it had, had a, had a great season and he was a better defender than I think people gave him credit for. Alrighty. And so I still get to go with the guy. I need a guy to run the point, And I think Derek Walton running the pick and pop Mo, Mo Wagner, DJ Wilson. I got to go D Walt to run my offense. Right. Uh, so back to me for two I could go either way here. Um, and I forgot to say this when we, when we, when we fired this up here, we have to assume that we're putting these guys out there for one game. They're completely healthy and playing yes. at their best. Um, this is a, a big man's, you know, you need a big man. It's a perimeter game, but you do need a big man. Um, I'm going to go with Mitch McGarry for my third pick there. So, All right. Uh, fourth All right. pick, let's see. I got, let's see. I could use a little bit more. This is great live stuff here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with someone that we're going way back now. Uh, we're going to turn back the clock a little bit. Kind of, I, I need a point guard, uh, and we're going to go with the guy that was really one. There is no Michigan of today and the lineage of point guards that they've had mm-hmm. without this guy. Uh, I'm going to go with Darius Morris, the butterfly, as the, yeah. the one dude from Big Ten Network used to call him. I like it. It's good. It's good, man. Uh, Darius, he was, he was definitely, I had my little hierarchy of point guards. I was going to take it was Trey, Derek, Darius Morris uh, amongst mine. So I love the pick. I need some scoring uh, from the perimeter. I need some some outside shooting and a guy that can really go and create his shot at any given time. And I'm going with one of the best pure scorers in John Beeline's history. You know, probably on your short list with it, with including Stauskas, with including Trey Burke, but a guy who wasn't on great teams, so he gets overlooked. But I need a good two-guard. I'm going Manny that was, Harris. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good pick. And I think people honestly forget, um, and maybe their stats were inflated a bit because of the, the little supporting cast they had around them, but 
Manny Harris and Deshaun Sims were legitimate studs at Michigan, and well, um, I wouldn't, I would never say that they have the uh, level of importance to the program that uh, guys from say the 2011 team do. Um, I, I think that they they were for the first time in a while uh, when they were there, they were uh, star players to watch, and it had been a long time since Michigan had had any guys like that. Manny Harris, uh, an incredible score. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good pick. For me, I need, uh, let's see, I need a big guy. Um, I think with every pick, every guy I've picked has been taller than the last. Um, uh, this is tough. I am going to go with, uh, a, hmm. you, you see, all right. I, I have a dilemma here because I don't know if I want to go with a smaller lineup or 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 a, a, a taller one. I think I'm going to go a little bit smaller, and I'm going to get a guy who not might not have uh, might have driven me a bit crazy when he played at Michigan because he a little bit like Charles Matthews would just have these these spurts where he would go away, but ultimately in big moments was extremely clutch and a good leader. I'm going to go Zach Irvin. Um, with my fourth pick and with my fifth, I want a, I want somebody down low. I want a big man. I want a guy who's going to uh, be really good defensively. And I think as good as Michigan is today, defensively, there was a time where they struggled a lot uh, defensively as a team. I think the 2013 team was, was a team that struggled at points defensively uh, leaving shooters open and, and, and giving up points. But the one mainstay that they had, the one really good defender that they had in that, in that stretch of time was Jordan Morgan. And I'm going to go Jordan Morgan with my fifth pick. He was a guy who, who played taller than he actually was. I think only, he was only about six, nine played more like a six, 11, seven foot type of player. So he's going to round out my, my top five there or my, my five uh, starting five. I do. I like it. And if this was, I really wanted to go with a guy like Zach Novak or Stu Douglas, like as, as my last, because those guys embodied just the early years of Michigan basketball. But with the way I want to play with, I've got D Walt and I've got Manny, I've got Mo out on the perimeter. You could play a one, four high with this so easily DJ and Mo kind of interchange. I need a spot up shooter. You know, Stauskas is gone. Karis LeVert was a great shooter, obviously. So I got to go with a guy who is an incredible perimeter shooter. Uh, and this sounds, I mean, you look at my team, this is like two years ago team, just insert Manny Harris for Zach Irvin, but I'm going Duncan yeah. Robinson uh, because I, I need me a, a spot up shooter, a guy that can just get you some shots from the perimeter. What was your fourth pick, Luke? I was Manny Harris. Type it in. Uh, Manny Harris. Manny Harris. Okay. Uh, this is going to be kind of a weird one because this is not a name that people associate with Michigan because uh, he didn't wind up staying at Michigan. But I don't want any of you punk ass bitches and your team driving the lane on me. Like you come in, you come down low. I'm going to swat. That I think shit I know who you're going row. with, and this is so cheap. <laughs> I'm going to go with Ekpe Udo. <laughs> He, he did play at Michigan uh, under John Beeline. Uh, it was one year. It was that 10-22 and 22 year. Uh, he went, wound up transferring to Baylor. Uh, was the sixth overall pick uh, of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, 
it's kind of just bounced around the league. Didn't really do much. And then now all of a sudden I didn't know this until five minutes ago. He's playing for the Yeah, Utah I didn't either. Teams, I, so. I kind of thought he flamed uh, out in the NBA, to be honest. Yeah, it looks like he went and played overseas for a little bit. Play with the Bucks, play with the Clippers, but we're not going by NBA. Yeah. I'm going for college and uh, just looking at his stats here. Uh, his last year at Baylor, he averaged seven block game. His last year at Michigan, which was 2007, that was the first John Beeline year. Started 24 of the 32 games, um, where uh, six points per game, 2.9 blocks per game, uh, and he was pulling in about five rebounds a game. Uh, that that last year, that year at Baylor, he was awesome though. Almost 14 points, uh, almost four blocks a game. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a cheap pick, but um, you kind of, you kind of, you kind of took Jordan Morgan away off the board for me. So I needed, I needed some size, some length. Uh, you know, Michigan yeah. hasn't had a whole lot of rim protectors uh, on their roster, uh, so that's where I'm going. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I I don't like my team as much as I in my head when we started this that I that I was going to. I probably would have swapped out uh, DJ Wilson for Karis LeVert, given another opportunity. But here uh, we are. Let me ask this: Who's the one player that you're surprised didn't get drafted by any of us? <sighs> man, uh, probably ah oh, man. I don't. I don't know. See, I think there's one you guys are uh, have completely overlooked, and it's so weird because he played so recently. I'm surprised none of. Well, I want to say I'm surprised, but then when you think of how many good point guards slash shooting guards Michigan has had, I guess maybe it's not. I'm surprised nobody took Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman. Oh yeah. Um. Four. Yeah. Four year player. Good leader. Yeah, I, I was I was going to if it wasn't because I mentioned he was one of my yeah. favorite players because he was just you know I just needed a shooter in Duncan you know and Mars a great shooter but I wanted a little more size and a more consistent three point shooter that's that's the only reason I went Duncan but I could I could interchange Mar for I feel Walton, stupid for not even thinking about him like I didn't it never even crossed my mind oh man yeah. I love Mar. yeah he was he was great no love for uh, no love for Evan Smotrich no. Oh my God, give me give me some Smotrich. Uh, who is who's the other one? Um, the other dude that Vogrich? was just like him, Vogrich, Matt Vogrich. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm a little bit. I guess one that I thought might be a wild card that somebody might go with, uh, both for the fact that he was legitimately good and because there's sentimental value to him was Spike Albrecht. Um. I hear you. I I was gonna go. I was gonna go Zach Novak, but I'm team ban charges, so he <laughs> wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't fit well with my philosophy. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I like. It's it's funny. I look at I look at Chris's team, and it's almost exactly like what the 2013 team would have been, except for um, Karis LeVert was coming off the bench and. Zach Irvin was in high school still. You so, know what? It, uh, it, shout it, out, shout out, Derek Walton it's and what Zach the 20, Irvin. My two, my very. Uh, sorry, ahead. man. No, I'm just saying it's what the 2014 team would have been if, in some sort of alternate reality, Trey Burke comes back and Michigan listens to you and moves Stauskas to the bench. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it would be the alternate reality where uh, they probably lose and like. 
the first round. So, <laughs> you know what? When you put it that way, my team is a uh, is the 2016 team. Just if you substitute Manny Harris for Zach Irvin, so I'm cool <laughs> with that. Now, let me ask you this: Let's assume that all of these teams are coached by the current coaching staff with uh, Yaklich and and the big defense. Ooh. Who who are we looking at here? Is I think it. I think that kind of favors my team. Um, but I don't know. I love, I love DJ Wilson and Mo Wagner out yeah. there playing defense together. Yeah. No, I, I, Hey, there's you, we could come up with an infinite amount of qualifiers, but, but if, if that's, if that's the case too, I might've, I might've taken Xavier over Derek Walton. It's true. Yeah. I got to see how the, the rest of Xavier's career plays out. Cause I feel like yeah. Derek Walton really ended on yeah. a high note. But Xavier, he did. he did, and he was a great perimeter shooter. That's why I took him over over Xavier. More, you know, trustworthy offensively. I think. Now, here's what's interesting to me is that, you know, one of the one of the things you think about is okay, I'm playing one game with these guys. If my one game comes down to one shot, I feel like Jordan Poole would be on one of our lists, like easily, probably. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think any of us have anyone from the current team, do we? Um. No, and it that's probably okay because the jury's still out on those yeah. guys. I don't want to. Right. Um, it'll be interesting to do this like a year from now. We'll see how that plays out. But then again, they're you know, we'll see. Uh, Chris, I'm surprised no Charles Matthews. On the team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'd be he'd be a good guy to come off the bench. He's uh, and look, I, 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 the one thing I think I said after the Wisconsin game, and I really do mean this is I, I, I'm. I'm critical of him because he's too good of a player to make the mistakes that he makes on a con- consistent basis. And because still, look, it, Michigan, when you when you think about them, you think, okay, this is a team they made it to the national championship game last year. They're experienced. I, I mean, yes and no. I, they're experienced, but they're still fairly young. I mean, they have won – uh, or they have two uh, upperclassmen in their in their starting lineup, no seniors, right? So I th- that I think that's uh, I, he's kind of kind of the go to him and Simpson are kind of the go to leaders on the team, uh, and, and so it, it just I, I hold him uh, probably to it to a higher standard than some of the other guys on the team. Yeah, one last thought for me on Charles Matthews. He just kind of reminds me of like you ever see the like the videos of like the the baby giraffes like trying to walking for the first yeah. time. Like I actually think did they use that comparison for him at some? They point? might have. It would have been a good one. <laughs> but it just seems like he's. It's like imagine him at that size, but like sixteen years old, like stumbling around, and you know stumbling around a high school hallway accidentally knock the books out of like some some cute girls like hands and they're everywhere it's embarrassing like it's just kind of a just kind of awkward right yeah. now it's it's weird you'd think by now that he'd have kind of fine-tuned that a little bit more but maybe he will maybe it's maybe he just got the yips Who, who's to say but um i go back and look at these teams um like I said shout out Derek walton zach irvin my first two interviews ever as a quote unquote sports writer. Uh, so always have a lot of love in my heart for those guys. Um, yeah, I think this is, there's a lot of talented guys that have come through here. I mean, my God, it is funny that the, the early beeline years were filled with these tall, lanky white guys that had like the Polish last names, like that could shoot. 
that's always interesting to me and, and how far they've come from there with it seems like they're sending a few a few guys to the league almost every year so it's impressive it also it also took everything in me not to go with Kelvin Grady as my point guard <laughs> uh you would have hijacked the segment my friend yeah <laughs> well it was a fun brewcast yeah. here today Got a big thank you to Brandon Justice for hopping on, doing a great interview. Anthony with a great idea for the show. We'll have this as a poll. You can go vote on whose team uh, would win if we went, uh, I guess, one-on-one-on-one. You know, it's it, well, obviously one-on-one and then winner takes the other one. You know how it goes. Anyway, you can go vote. Uh, check us out on Twitter, and I'll let these guys let you know where you can find them on Twitter. Chris, I'll start with you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's at Castellani2014. That's at C A S T E. L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can find me on Instagram. That's Chris Castle 95 That's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-9-5. Hope to see you on my feed. Give me a follow. Thanks a lot. And Anthony. All right. We can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Uh, if we're going to do the Instagram thing now, uh, you can follow me at... Uh, what is it? AT broom there. Uh, it's, it's weird. I don't have the same at on all of these social media services, but uh, follow the brew, uh, brewcast at brewcast show website, maize and brew uh, at maize and brew. Um, yeah. Uh, like I said earlier, I uh, have a pretty awesome, no disrespect to, to Brandon or Josh Henschke who's been a guest here in the past. I I'm pretty confident saying that we have the biggest guest to this point uh, for next week's show. Again, still working on a few things, hammering out, but excited for that. Um, also, really quickly, wanted to address, uh, I know there are rumors about uh, a certain member of the football team out there right now. Uh, all I can say about that is that nothing is, everything's kind of hush-hush right now. Everything's kind of quiet, but I'll just say that there is some validity to what's going on. Um so I know people have asked about that. There's not really anything out there on it, but I just I've gotten questions. Uh, wait and see. So, um, yeah, that's my spiel for this week. Uh, thanks for sticking around and um, vote for my team to kick these guys' asses. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Go shoot me a follow. As we've mentioned, you can go follow us on Twitter under at Brewcast Show. Uh, go check that out. We have some fun on there as well. Vote. Vote, vote, vote for our teams. Go do it. We love to engage in our fans. So for Chris Castellani, for Anthony Broom, I'm Luke Yardy. It has been a fun episode of Brewcast, and we'll see you next week. Brewcast.